Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, Brittany. So we did a couple episodes. We did one on, um, oh, I can't remember. So we did one on, oh, different intellectual property, and that's, remember, uh-huh. property that like comes from your mind. So things you create, think intellect, like like your brain, intellectualism, things like that. And then we did an entire episode just on patents, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because your dad is an inventor yeah. and you are an inventor also, which I thought <laughs> <Sort of. laughs> was a really cool. And I'll have you recap that okay. in, in a second. But first, just want to go over, well- so what we're going to do today is we're going to continue talking about intellectual property, which they um, abbreviate as just IP. So if you hear us say IP, that just stands for intellectual property. So I want to go over what that means again really quick. So there are, I think, four main kinds of intellectual property, and that's a trade secret. And think of that as like a recipe, like Coca-Cola, nobody can make a, a soda exactly like Coca-Cola because they have a trade secret. Like, So basically, all intellectual property, when we talk about it this way, is somebody getting to go to the government and saying, I want you to protect like my invention or my intellectual property so that no one else can copy it. So I think of like sodas or different recipes that people can't copy. Um, I think that would also be like a medication. Um, that's why you see something called like Advil, for example, and then something called ibuprofen. Advil is the name brand that first got the trade secret to it, and then other brands will come and make similar products. So that's trade secret. And then you have a trademark. Think of this like a mark, like a mark you'd make with like a pencil. It's like a logo, right? It's something visual. So a trademark would be, you know, McDonald's. You have the golden arches. Um, I keep going back to Coca-Cola. You have like the red and white logo. And then also like slogans that come with it. So uh, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, has like finger licking good, something like that where it's like, okay – That's their slogan. When you hear those words, when you see those symbols, you automatically think of those companies. And then you have – well, let's say patents. So then you have copyright. Copyright is probably the one we hear about the most because copyright is like a catch-all. So if you have a piece of art, if you create a piece of art, if you wrote a book, if you wrote a song, if you composed music in any capacity – that would be protected under copyright laws. And then you have patents, which are for inventions. Think about inventions. So these are things. So we're going to go into a little debate in this episode, a friendly <laughs> course, where we're going to have uh, take two different sides and just kind of discuss, not really a debate, just discuss why there are good and bad things to letting the government protect this. Because there's a lot of people that would say, well, it's technically property. And, you know, we believe, if you believe in limited government and liberty, you do believe that there's some, you know, things the government can protect, life, liberty, property, or pursuit of happiness. Um, And so you might say like, okay, intellectual property that has the word property in it, I think that counts as property. And then other people might say, no, it doesn't count as property. I don't think it does because the government can't own an idea. And since all of these things start in your head, you know, like we said, intellectual, there's, you know, idea that that's something that really can't be protected. Everybody has the right to it. So it's a very heated issue. And it's something that even people who agree on everything else, like limited government, they'll still have disagreements <laughs> on this one subject, which I think is really interesting because I think it's fun to not agree with someone all the time, you know, to take different views. Because one, I think it helps us become 
stronger in our own views because we can see other points and learn to to not necessarily argue but discuss those. And I think it's just good to be exposed to different things and it teaches you how to be, you know, a better uh, debater. So let's get into this. First, Ronnie, if you can explain <laughs> a little bit about patents and and uh, your background in patents, like your dad sure. and everything, that would be great. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, that there's many people who um, will agree on limited government and everything else, but that the issue of IP is still something that they, you know, uh, support. And I feel that that probably is a little bit more along the lines of myself, but I also like learning. And so I'm excited to go through this a little bit more with you because, yeah, I think being able to you know, talk about things, who knows, it might open my mind and I might understand this better. But okay, so my bit of a background is, so I grew up with a dad who invented things and he's had a few patents um, over the years. And so I, I grew up, he was always like in drawing ideas and tinkering with these little metal things he used to make. Um, and so I've always been, you know, strong patents, especially, that's where I know the most. I know uh, that more than trade secrets or trademarks or copyrights. Um, so I tend to lean a little bit more to the pro-patent side. I actually once also applied for a patent for a baby product, which I talked about on the last... Uh, yeah, explain again. I think it's so cool. <laughs> so it was just this item. It was a pacifier holder. It's In hindsight, it's somewhat silly to think about. But I went through the whole process of trying to patent it. And then I uh, eventually ended up abandoning the patent because I realized that there was one... The one part that I thought was unique to my patent or my design, which had never been done before, I ended up finding it's called prior art. Uh, so I'd found a patent from the you know, 1980s that talked about this, but because there was already a patent a long time ago that was already in the public domain, it made my patent a moot point. So I couldn't protect anything. And a moot point would mean like, um, I'm trying to think of how to- It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is really interesting about a patent. So even though the rest of your idea was new and original because one of the parts existed, you couldn't patent any of it? No. So um, you can only patent anything that is new and original. However, in my research, when I was trying to get a patent and you have to study all the prior art, prior art means anything else that's ever been created. I they just, don't do that for you. You have to do it, right? You have to do it. Uh, yeah, you have to do it. Otherwise, the uh, like patent clerks later will do it, but um, then they'll just deny your patent. So you need to do all of it first. Uh, sometimes you'll hire like lawyers and stuff. I did it all on my own because I'm weird like that. Uh, but anyway, so the one part that I thought was actually the unique part, I mean, we're talking about a pacifier um, product, a baby product that's, you know, that people have been dealing with for you are using for, you know, a hundred years. So I knew that there's only so much left to be truly unique in. Um, so I realized that I guess the one part I thought was unique was not actually unique. So yeah, that's, that's how patents work. But, um, oh, were you going to say something? Nope. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so anyways, generally I tend to be a little bit more, uh, pro patent side, maybe not for what I was inventing, which was something a little bit, you know, smaller and that, you know, anyone could maybe come up with. But uh, my dad, especially, he has created a lot of very technical designs and created valves that go in gas cabinets that um, change the flow of gases that help create many different products. So the things that he has created, you know, uh, matters a lot more. So for him to have been able to spend all the time designing, testing out, creating, um, 
these like new valves and like different he like different little ways of you know bending shapes or having curves here or all types of stuff like that you know that took a lot of time it took years for him and oftentimes he was doing this on his own dime which means he was spending his own money and his own time to develop this and the reason why he spent so much time doing this is with the understanding that he could after he finally created it and was ready to bring it to market in order to you know uh make money off of it is that he could be a little bit protected um because well, i think that there are times in which patents can actually encourage innovation because if my dad had known that he would have to spend years developing a product and as soon as he had developed it Anybody else could go and see that and go, oh, that's how he did that. I'm going to recreate this exactly and then go and sell it. Well, let's say that my dad is a small inventor, has a small company, but some huge store goes, some huge other company goes and makes it and they, you know, sell it for cheaper, which yes, free market, I get that. But it's a little bit, um, like it doesn't inspire my dad to want to create anything new if he knows that he's not going to be able to have any type of financial return on it because it can easily be copied. It's a little bit different than just like marketing, uh, like, oh, this company's marketing it better and my dad just had to market it more. Uh, so it, I don't know, I I would just argue that I do think that sometimes patents can actually inspire innovation. <laughs> that's what I would say. No, that's that's a that's a really good point. I'm going to counter that with okay. I always tell the the Nikola Tesla story, and I am not an inventor, so I don't have firsthand firsthand. Um, I wonder if I there. Sometimes I have ideas for things, but again, with the patent pro, I I would never go through that because I, I'm too lazy. <laughs> but um, the Nikola Tesla um, story is really interesting to me, and that is that he spent like years and years, like your dad, like years and years on on in his life, uh, just inventing these amazing you know amazing technology in fact things like the radio um neon lights he like set the precedent for like they exist because of him um so one of his inventions and i don't remember which one so that can be a homework assignment for you all um he spent years of his life like i said doing that and then somebody was jealous of him and they took his idea and they got to the patent office first and actually i don't think i explained this so if you basically what we're talking about with IP is the government protects it. So you go to a patent office or fill out paper, you know, work if it's for other things. And they say no one else is allowed to do what you're doing or you can sue them and, and you know, get a lot of money and tell them to that they can't do it. So if you like invented a um, like, let's say an invention, nobody else could make it and sell it. And there's usually a period of time. So it could be like, I don't remember, I don't know what it was, like 12 years or something like that. Or actually, I think it's much more. Um, and until the patent expires, nobody else can make anything. And that gives you the time to to sell it and manufacture it and do what you want with it. But some people never do. Um, so with Tesla, someone took his ideas and they ran to the patent office and then he was blocked from using his own inventions, right? So there's, there's terrible things that can go wrong with that, where if someone gets wind, catches, you know, gets wind of your idea and then they go to the patent office first, it's really just a race to see who can get there first. And then, then, you know, so yeah, that's one, one, you know, possible thing. I would counter that then with, I don't know how the provisional patent process started, but the provisional patent process is meant in a way to protect from something like this. Interesting. So, Explain. I didn't know that. So let's say that you have a brand new idea of this thing you want. So like, uh, you know, Tesla has discovered this idea um, and designed it and thought of it on his own and he really wants to make it, but he needs some time to test it out first before knowing if it's a good idea. 
Well, as soon as he has the idea of it and he's like, ooh, I need to get this on the books somewhere to show that I'm the one who first came up with this idea, that's the provisional patent. So you file a provisional patent at the very, very early stages um, with just uh, more of a basic idea. You know, you might not have all the super fancy drawings yet or anything, but you give a basic idea um, of what it is that you're creating, what it does, et cetera. And then you're given, I believe the provisional patent, the um, the possible downfall is that it only gives you a year before you have to file the full patent. So, but still it gives you a year, you know, there might be exceptions for longer in certain situations. I'm not sure, but, um, and during that time, it's, you still keep your invention that you're working on a secret, but if it ever comes out later that someone else tries to make it, you can go, no, no, wait, I actually have on file that I came up with this first. So I would say perhaps we could have a better patent process rather than get rid of patents altogether. That's really interesting. And, you know, who knows? Because Tesla, you know, this is the 19 or 1800s, excuse mm-hmm. me. We, maybe that didn't exist then. You know, I don't know the history of I patents. I don't either. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a really boring topic, but important. <laughs> but that's really interesting. I didn't know that. So, so you would say, like, maybe there's some flaws, but we could reform it. Yes, that's what I would say. Okay. So another point that a lot of, you know, really uh, ad- avid free market people make is that um, it's not just in the idea, it's how you sell the idea. And you touched on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they would say, okay, like, let's say you use Starbucks logo. And I say this because somebody did this. Somebody made like kind of a spoof, meaning it was like, it was almost like the Starbucks label, but it was like a little different. It's like that green logo with like some sort of weird mm-hmm. woman's head on it. I don't even know if she's like a <laughs> mythical creature or not. I think it's a mermaid. Um, is it a mermaid? Okay. Well, somebody made – yeah, right? I don't know. Uh, that's – yeah, that doesn't really have anything to do with coffee, so that's interesting. But so, um, so somebody – took that logo and it was like a joke like they knew that it was a joke and they like made a spoof coffee shop it was still coffee but it was like I think it was coffee anyway so then Starbucks sued and they had to they had to change that but what some people would say is it's different marketing right like it's whoever markets it better if somebody took a the same trade secret as Coca-Cola but they were better marketers and they won you know that that share of the market then that's what's more important than the recipe um, so, you know, it could be argued that Coca-Cola is so good at marketing that they don't even need the trade secret that they would have been fine, you know, either way. And so that's what a free marketer would say. They'd say, well, just market it better. And I think there are good points to that to be made because you think like, okay, that's part of, you know, we talk about competition and competition makes things better. And it's it's good to, to you know, maybe if somebody markets it better, then they make it cheaper. And then there's like this this war of of making things cheaper and making it more affordable to consumers. So that would be one um, interesting topic. And then, Ronnie, I'm going to throw it to you for the last point, <laughs> and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Um, I I actually don't disagree as much as far as, um, like, is there usefulness in things like trade secrets or trademarks um, or even copyrights and some things. Um, but I, for myself, I do tend to be patents. I do feel is a little bit uh, different, perhaps, than the other kinds of IP. So, um I think that's why I'm not necessarily debating the other points as much. <laughs> Interesting. That's cool. Well, I think this is, again, a really fun conversation because I think it's great when we have different, you know, viewpoints. And sometimes it's like like we both agree there are problems with the system, but, you know, how we how we would fix them would be different. And I just think it's so much more interesting when we can have these conversations. So thank you so much, Ronnie. I think it's so cool that you come from a family of inventors. That's awesome. So we will wrap it up there. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, we will talk to you soon. All right. See you soon. 
You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.